0: Hello and welcome to Move the Line presented by FanDuel. Promo code 444. New users at FanDuel can take advantage of a risk-free first bet to get up to $1,000 back. If you don't win, you can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Another promo code 444 to take advantage. I am Ryan Noonan. Joined, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Connor, you look like you are uh, traveling. I know there's a wedding coming up. Looks like you're probably up in the great state of Wisconsin, I'm guessing.
1: I am, you know, back up in uh, God's country. I uh, just got my uh, marriage license. I actually had to drive up here because Wisconsin rules, you have to get your marriage license in the county that you will be married in. So uh, suboptimal for traveling, but you, know, to, but, you know, you have a place to stay and it's, it's pretty nice. So it's good. Got to work outside, get a little bit of sun, uh, pretty chill. I mean, I'm excited to be going to the wedding. I'm disappointed you didn't ask me
0: to actually do the wedding. I've done, I don't know if you know this, I've done, I've married multiple friends.
1: Pastor Noonan. I didn't um, know
0: that. It is uh, surprisingly not very difficult to get ordained. I believe Daigle is, I think Daigle has done this as well. Um, no. I thought I uh, I've, oh, se- okay.
2: I've seen many people do it, and thus I know it has to be easy since a variety <laughs> of individuals have done it, but have never done it myself. Even though, like honestly, if I didn't know I had done it either, I would probably chalk myself as to someone who has done it before.
0: Maybe that was it. I don't know if we had this conversation at some point, or um, you definitely seem like someone that would have done it for a friend at some point, And maybe it's in your future, who knows? Um, but yeah, it is embarrassingly easy to get done. Um, I married one friend in a very, very casual setting um, in a backyard in the backyard in New Hampshire with you know very chill vibes on the lake, um, and then I married. Uh, another friend in a more formal setting at like a golf course outside, very, you know, a little bit more formal than I wanted it to be. But uh, it was my second rodeo. So, but I'm sure you have someone that's well equipped to do a Connor. And I'm sure Maggie no. will not be super stoked for you to have your podcast partner uh, doing the ceremony.
1: I mean, we're having her brother do it. Maggie's brother is oh, okay. like a uh, a pastor or a ordained. He's done like all of his friends' weddings. So nice. He, he came very prepared. It was, it was, it was an interesting meeting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, time's coming by, a couple weeks. so We would not be a trio
0: without the third, uh, our golfing buddy, our friend John Daigle, who is in the weeds, knocking out team previews. Uh, believe the first one, one of the teams here in the AFC West went up on the site today. We're going to continue to see a steady stream of that from Daigle over the next uh, month or so leading up to the season. How you doing, buddy?
2: Doing well. The first one, the most important one, because it's the free one, is up for the Denver Broncos right now. Doing all 32 for the first time ever, not only in my career, to uh continue expanding my own accomplishments, but to try something new as well, to continue challenging myself, but also in four for four history. Uh, no one has ever taken on all thirty-two previews. Not many people do it in general in the entire industry. So excited to do it. It's going to catch me up as a whole. And the other, So the Chargers and Chiefs will drop after this show. We're nearly done. Uh, Raiders will be coming out by Friday. And ideally, it becomes six per week. Uh, this week, the past couple of weeks, a lot have been going on behind the scenes. So uh, behind right now. But we are going to get to speed shortly.
0: Absolutely love it. I took on divisional previews last year, and it was a mammoth task. Um, so I'm sure going team by team, you're in a, a little bit more of a fantasy Outlook on it too, probably uh, significantly, I uh, feel confident removing the probably significantly more in depth, especially when you're drilling down into the fantasy aspect of it. Um, you know, I was getting my hands more in the dirt on the defensive side and things like that. So these are going to be value adds and definitely kind of uh, accoutrement to our previews here and uh, continue to look for those on the site. Again, 444.com plans is the best way for you to get access to those. Again, the Broncos one is free. Uh, but everything else will be behind the paywall where they belong. Um, And again, lots of great ways that you can access the betting sub at even a cheaper route, whether that's, you know, going in through the underdog way where you can get, you know, an underdog sub or, you know, deposit on underdog, get a a pro sub and then upgrade, or you could deposit $10 on MGM if you're a new MGM user. Lots of great ways to get access to the betting sub, which I think is uh, as good as anything out there, especially, you know, like info per dollar. I uh, would put our betting sub up there with anything. We continue to launch new tools, new sports, uh, new writers. We continue to you know have lots of great discussions to continue to level up everything we're doing here and super stoked to kind of get into football season. And for me, at least, it feels like football season transition when we start to do the division previews. So we're going to start at the top of the board because I don't know about you guys looking through this division. Like I thought the AFC West was really strong we all know it is doing a little bit of a homework today to get ready for the show and getting into the we, this division is so good i believe connor this is our fifth year doing this this is the best division at any point since we've been doing move line
1: yeah i mean i've never i've never seen a division where i th- could legitimately see all like the top three teams winning the super bowl plus a fourth team that could probably beat half the teams in the league like, like easily, and is like at least like a top half team in the league. I just, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited to break it down.
0: Well, let's waste no more time. Let's jump right into it. We'll start at the top. Chiefs are still your favorite here. They are 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, they are 6 to 1 to win the AFC. Uh, their win total, 10.5 on FanDuel, is the uh, best number for that currently. And they are uh, plus 175 to win this division. Um, again, it's it's the Chiefs. A lot of continuity here on um, the coaching side. Obviously, this is the uh, fifth year of Eric Biennemi, like kind of being one of like the most sought after assistants in the offseason. And he doesn't land a job. This Andy Reid Bienemy offense is something that we can, I think, uh, you know, Pretty much know what's going to happen and what they how are they going to approach things again. Obviously, returning of uh, Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side, they've led the league in pass rate over expectation last season. They were third in situation neutral pace. Obviously, the Tyreek Hill stuff. Nagel is a massive loss, um, but I can't imagine much changes philosophically in this offense while we have Andy Reid, while we have Patrick Mahomes.
2: I still consider them. A volatile team. I think it's odd because I think they're deeper than ever at wide receiver. And having Marcus Valdis Scantling, Sky Moore, Juju Smith Schuster, Hardman, and then whoever they use between Justin Watson, it sounds like is leading the group right now to make the team over Justin Ross, their a uh, undrafted rookie that everyone loves for some reason. But they are extremely volatile because they also don't have as much elite talent as they've had in past years. Like, you can try to replace Tyreek Hill with multiple players, but they really did that for cap reasons more than anything in order not to re-sign a 30-year-old wideout who relies on speed. Uh, Fourth in points per game last year, fourth in plays per game, first overall with 407 yards per game, but at the same time, dead last in drives per game. And then you have to ask, okay, in leading the league in touchdown rate, 48% of their possessions – which they've done, by the way, they've had a 47% scoring rate in four consecutive seasons now. So they've actually sustained something that's not supposed to be sustainable. Then you ask, given the dip in personnel, they are not as strong, clearly, they are not elite and top-heavy, does it finally backfire on them? And we've talked about this in the past, the fact that they landed the league's hardest strength schedule based on Vegas season win totals, they have three consecutive road games, one of five teams to do so between weeks 13 through 15, and then also out-of-division contests they drew against the Bills, Bengals, and Bucks. They're also going to be leaning on two first-round rookies in place of Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens, who were say-what-you-want-about-Hitchens, but they were actually were defensive cogs for Steve Spagnola. And so overall, in the, as you already mentioned, the toughest division in the entire league, Maybe the offense approach stays the same, but they're actually the team that I have, well, I don't want to say the least amount of confidence in, but I have. it's the least amount of confidence I've ever had in a Chiefs organization, honestly, this year, which is why I still think, I don't know if we're saying best bets at the end or whatever, but I still think under 10.5 is the best bet possible for this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, they you mentioned the schedule, and it's like by far the hardest schedule in the League 2, which is interesting to see. I mean, I, I don't think Travis Kelsey is falling off per se but I think they're again he's he's, I think older than a lot of people think he probably sees a little spike in targets but like you said I do think that the depth here is really interesting Uh, Connor what is your kind of initial take here on on the Chiefs
1: yeah just to touch on a few other things that you guys have already mentioned Uh, I mean they start the season at Arizona then they play the Chargers the Colts the Bucks the Raiders the Bills and the 49ers I mean absolutely brutal there is just no room for error there and then, as you mentioned you know like their wide receiving court is deep but does it really make the game like does it really impact the game like tyree Hill does And i think that some of that actually could be good based on what we saw last year where teams you know quote unquote figured out the chiefs were playing a lot of two high shells and now you don't really have that kind of explosiveness but the chiefs aren't really going to force that so obviously they did end up figuring it out last year um uh, but mvs is a great burner i think juju and skymore will be able to eat underneath and in the middle of the field um so i don't know when it like it, they click or if it happens right away but uh, i i like to daigle's point i think that their offense will still be okay but defensively i mean last year they finished 24th the defensive DVOA, 23rd in epa lost Tyron matthew i think they're gonna be relying like a good amount on george karlaftis and trent mcduffie i i just don't know i just don't know how that's going to go for them so i'm a little bit concerned about their defense and then with like all those teams they're playing like they're going to have to be in shootouts and their offense has to like click right away. Uh, and I think that that's to Dago's point, probably why I also lean under because if it's not, and then you hit more divisional games, like, I mean, they're, they could very easily win like eight or nine games and, you know, fall under even 10 games. It seems like could be a good season for them based on their schedule, but they still go under their win total. Yeah. You mentioned the defensive questions and that's kind of it for me too. I mean, 29th in
0: defensive success rate allowed last year, 22nd in EPA per play lost Jadavious Ward, lost Tyron Matthew, Melvin Ingram, all of them gone in free agency. You mentioned some of the guys, they added some uh, defensive talent in the draft, but you need, need them to step up and be you know, contributors right away. Cause really at that defensive front is pretty bad. I mean, obviously Chris Jones is a baller. You get these bursts from Frank Clark occasionally, but they were dead last in run stop win rate last year. I don't think there's anything on this team that they've brought in like McDuffie and Carl are not guys that are going to make massive impacts there. And again, because they're going to be in situations where I think the defense is weak, they're going to be in these shootouts. Like teams are going to be able to continue to run on them. Like, so I think there's some upside here in the fantasy game, but yeah, overall, I mean, considering the schedule, considering the six games in this division, because I I think even at the top, like we undersold the Raiders a little bit too. Like there, these four teams are all really good. And to Dale's point, like, I don't have questions about the Chiefs, but, like, there are holes here, especially if we were just to kind of remove what I think we've perceived to be magic around Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And it's real, but, like, there's – outside of that, like, just from a roster standpoint uh, and then a schedule standpoint, all those things, like, the Chiefs make me a little bit nervous. So, yeah, I'm I'm with the guys here. I kind of lean on the under 10.5. It'd be interesting to see if you guys have another team that you peg, Connor, on, uh, on wanting to win this division.
1: Yeah, I mean, so also, uh, if you look at the look ahead lines here, so they're favored still in 13 games. So there's going to be probably a lot of weeks where you're closing your eyes and betting the other team potentially. Um, You know, especially if the matchups, right, we kind of see what their weaknesses are a little bit more like, you know, tougher matchups here. Like I could very easily see a lot of these teams upsetting the Chiefs. Um, And they're also projected to score the third most points in the league. I think that You could get them at plus 850 to be the highest scoring team in the league. I think that that's still like a solid look for a lot of the reasons we mentioned. They're probably going to have to be putting the gas to the pedal uh, pretty much the entire season. Dale, talk to me about this running back room real quick before we move on. Um, Everyone wants, you know, the CEH stuff.
0: Like it's been, feels like the same story for like the third straight year. There's obviously everyone wants it to happen. Ronald Jones sucks at football. And then Jerry McKinnon was really good in the playoffs for a little bit. They re-signed him for one year. I don't know really how he works in. It sounds like it's going to be a two-back role with Jones and Ceh. Uh, any interest in, in either of those guys? Kind of, whether it's best ball draft or maybe something from a, a season-long prop standpoint, just kind of big. Warner Jones
2: sucks at football, but he fits what they are trying to do most with this offense. Clyde edwards lair has already been pigeonholed off the goal line uh, since week two of his rookie year. He only has five career carries inside the five-yard line. Uh, remember week one. Houston Texans, national TV, pandemic season. He got seven and didn't score on any. And since then, just five, since week two the following year. So with this team having a league high in carries inside the five-yard line vacated from last year, 14 overall, that's not CEH to me. And also recall Jarrett McKinnon, he did emerge in the postseason. He only had 12 regular season carries overall. They actually used Derek Gore over him until – McKinnon then emerged against the Steelers in the wild card. And so that to me says Ronald Jones is actually the guy we should be higher on or at least be drafting him at his ADP since it's still a value. So that's where I lean in the backfield.
0: Yeah, third and in, in pass rush win rate offensively. And then our, our offensive line guru here at 4 for 4 Justin Edwards had them ranked second in his preview. So strong offensive line, you know, someone can emerge there, uh, I guess. I'll trust you and your expertise that it's going to be Ronald Jones. Uh, I'll divorce myself from my knowledge that he is fucking terrible at football and can't catch a cold. And uh it is what it is. So he's still
2: he's still good at running straight. Like he could actually yeah. still he is, he's top. a track athlete, he can pound sure. between the tackles, he can't do anything else. I know he cannot catch balls underneath. Uh, that's probably, I guess, going to be CEH, even though he hasn't shown the ability to break tackles or outrun and linebackers. But Ronald Jones what this team needs and wants to do like he actually fits the bill all right
0: let's move on chargers uh they are 16 to 1 to win the super bowl uh they are eight and a half to win the afc 10 10 and a <laughs> half are out there depending on your book make sure you're always shop depending on which side you want so there's definitely advantageous ways to go there plus 250 to win this division uh, we obviously have year two uh brandon staley Joe Lombardi and Ronaldo Hill all coming back. Uh, interesting to see that. Again, everyone loves the Chargers. Everyone loved the Chargers last year, and it made sense. Uh, again, just kind of a heartbreaking game there at the end against the Raiders to lead them out. The emerging skills every year of Justin Herbert are very exciting to watch. Tagle, uh talk to me about the Chargers.
2: The more I wrote up the Chargers, the more I fell in love with them and realized they are my clear-cut favorite to win this division, and it's not even close. You mentioned year two under Staley and Lombardi. Um, Also note quarterback coach Shane Day and the fact that Justin Herbert, before this year, had five different head coaches in the last six years of his career going back to Oregon. He finally has continuity in place, including – not only the same group of offensive linemen, but arguably an upgraded unit, since all they did was add first-rounder Zion Johnson, who could be the best offensive lineman to come out of this class on their interior. So really, all you have to do on the offense is have a little faith that after averaging 7.6 air yards per attempt, 23rd in the league, and under an 8-yard depth of target, shallow passing, that They've learned a little bit and learned to improve and allow Justin Herbert to go downfield since they were still aggressive and passing overall. Actually, the fourth highest pass play rate. uh, And that's how he became the QB2 in fantasy points per game. But more importantly, what really sold me on this team is when you look on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, Remember, before their bye, they were gashed for a league high five and a half yards per carry. The next closest was the Chiefs, I believe, at 5.1. And then they returned from their bye with fourth highest rate of stacked boxes. That was their answer to bring in another safety to play run coverage because they didn't have the personnel to do so. So what did they do? They went out and they got Sebastian Joseph Day, who actually finished fourth in the entire or among all interior defenders and in run stops in 2020 under Brandon Staley with the Rams. They grabbed Austin Johnson in free agency, who's 314 pounds, and then drafted uh, in the fifth round Otito Ogbonia. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, who's a t- 324 pound interior player. Solved their trenches, and then trading for Khalil Mack who is not only elite pass rusher across from Joey Bosa, but also a terrific run stopper as well, and JC Jackson for a team that played the third most zone coverage last year and blitzed at the 10th highest rate. These two players alone, Mack and Jackson, now allowed them to do what they want to do in picking and choosing how they hide defensive players because they don't have to blitz anymore. They can actually scheme, concertedly scheme uh, correct times to send their personnel and blitzkrieg their defense and so when I look at this then you also see their off ball games we talk about the Chiefs drawing the short end of the stick the Chargers actually got the Falcons and what we now believe will be the Jacoby Brissett led Browns out of the AFC North they they hit the jackpot and so I do think overall like this is the only team I want to bet on to win the division
0: it's that's strong yeah I mean it's it's hard to poke holes in anything you said there Connor what are your thoughts on the Chargers
1: No, I just, to to echo Daigle's point here, I mean, they finished 24th in EPA last year defensively, 26th in DVOA, 30th and 31st against the run, but, I mean, when you add those players, you make that clear change after the bye, like, they're going to seriously focus on not just being, like, absolutely eviscerated on the ground because – you know, Staley is very analytically inclined and I'm sure that he understands that, you know, it's better to let teams run on you than pass on you. But when you take it to the extreme that you're allowing teams to run for five and a half yards per carry, you know, like there's still obviously some validity to teams just doing that. And plenty of coaches are able to do that. Well, I mean, you know, like teams like teams, like the Ravens are still able to run the ball very successfully, at least when at full health. Uh, so for me, I, I think again, like to Dagle's point, uh, Good team to bet on to win the division. I think an interesting bet to win the Super Bowl potentially. Uh, right now you're looking at like 16 to 1 is probably the best odds. I do think like in season you're going to be able to get better numbers or as good of numbers on almost all of these teams at one point or a number just because of like their strength of schedule. I mean, even early on for the uh, Chargers here, uh, week two, so they open up and they're against the Raiders at home in week one, but then they have a short week on the road at Kansas City on Thursday night week two. You know, like something like that. Like it's just a little bit of a disadvantage there, but in general, you know, their strength of schedule is not super hard. They're favored in nine games this season. Uh, they have about average net rest. Uh, so they are not really put in a terrible situation schedule-wise. Uh, and I think if their talent finally can shine through, um, you know, they are they are a good Super Bowl bet and a bet to win the division here. I think you could actually bet them or the Broncos. We'll get into the Broncos later. So I think both of those are, like, very valid.
0: Yeah, only the Chiefs were better from a um... – offensive yards per drive and points per drive standpoint like Dangle mentioned. But like I, I want to echo that statement too is that I want to see more aggressiveness from Justin Herbert. Like the the upside that we haven't seen there is I think immense. Like I, I think he's been he's just really good and they have been too conservative with him. You talked about 21st in air yards per attempt last year, but he was third in the league in adjusted completion percentage on passes 20 yards or more down the field. And then PFF charted him with just a 2% turnover worthy play rate. Like this guy is a really, really elite downfield passer, and they have guys to do it. Big Mike Williams is back. Um, You know, Josh Palmer's not necessarily a a speed down the field guy, but, you know, Jalen Guyton can stretch the field a little bit. Like they have the weapons to go ahead and, and make that happen. I wish they would be a little bit more aggressive and allow him to kind of turn it on. As you mentioned, though, they are pass friendly, fifth in the league and pass rate right over expectation last year. They played at the sixth fastest situation neutral pace. So there's a lot of good fundamentals that we love there offensively to see. Let's we'll just let the, the kid throw downfield a little bit more too because, again, maybe it's on him too. Maybe he isn't as confident at times and it's not necessarily a play call thing, but I'd love to see him let it loose. And again, you guys highlighted the defensive side too. like To have bookend edge rushers like that, uh, to bring on Sebastian Joseph Day to kind of solidify the middle – helps them a lot because they were intentional we talked about a lot early in the season like they were deliberate with a lack of like they were the by far the fewest seven-man boxes in the league uh early in the season before the buy and I think that bye, they got absolutely run all over by the, the Ravens heading into the buy and then came out to change things but um interesting to see how they change there and then JC Jackson huge loss for the Patriots he was fifth in PFFs coverage grade last year Bryce Callahan Add some depth there too, stealing in from the Broncos and the division even. Just to add depth, like there's a lot to like here on the Chargers. Just hope that they can stay healthy and we can maybe see a little bit of the upside that they have. So um, I'm with you guys. I I do think that they are – I think the over on their wins makes a lot of sense. Kind of with Connor, not a big preseason Super Bowl guy. Knowing that there were 25s not too long ago, really hard to jump into 16 when you think you might be able to get something in the 20s later in the season. All right, let's shift to the Broncos. Uh big changes here as well. Broncos 17-1 on FanDuel to win the Super Bowl. They are nine to two to win the AFC. Ten and a half is the number on a lot of spots for their win total, and they are plus 260 to win this division. Um, new coaches. Nathaniel Hackett is here, spent the last couple seasons in Green Bay as Matt LaFour's OC. Again, we know he was calling the plays there, but Hackett has some experience doing that in Jacksonville. Uh, back when Jacksonville was pretty good and made a run to the AFC championship and made Blake Bortles a viable NFL starter for a couple of years. So kudos to him. Um, obviously the massive additions here, bearing the lead. Uh, I'll let you get started here, Dagle, with, with Russ. Uh, I made points here before. I think it's a massive advantage with having the quarterback, you know, star free agent quarterback, coming in the same time as the rookie first year head coach Hackett has shown a willingness to mold his offenses around the talent that he has. When you look at how pass rate expectations, pace, all those things have varied with all the places he's been before. But uh, get me started on the Broncos staple
2: And that's why I'm curious what kind of pace he's going to bring to this team since the Packers the last three years have been top 13 in every season, including two top 10 seasons. And Situation neutral pace, but also he wasn't necessarily the one calling plays. He's more of an underling to Matt LaFleur. So I don't know how they'll handle that, but I know it can't possibly be as bad or slow or inefficient as it was under Vic Fangio and the run of the mill OCs they put underneath them. So overall, I do have a lot of faith in this team. Uh, Connor seemed more confident than me in them. So curious to get his thoughts. And I wrote in the free preview, everyone can go, I've talked about Russell Wilson a lot. I've repeated some of the same thoughts. So everyone can go just read the free preview up. Uh, all my thoughts are there. But more importantly, uh, my best bet still is Russell Wilson for MVP. Cause I think that's how he gets there. Since even winning the vision or Super Bowl bets seems a little too far stretch for me. Knowing the murderers row and overall personnel, they have to overcome since they still really aren't even in off-season additions. They still really aren't the best at any position in their own division.
0: That's a good point. So Connor, I'll let you get started here on it. Um, I know you're bullish. I'm, I'm bullish too. I mean, I think this is a great football team or has the ability to be a great football team. Interesting to see what happens here. Green Bay was fourth in pass rate over expectation last year. N- you know, Nathaniel Hackett's staff. Hopefully that translates. We've never really seen a Russ in a you know heavy pass rate over expectation system and led the league again last year, 9.9 air yards per attempt. It's easy to be excited about the offensive weapons that they have here. Again, Russ, I think some of the stats last year, maybe had a little bit to do with you know, the injury. just didn't look the same coming back, but I'm, I'm kind of willing to erase all that. I'd love to get your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, just from a you know general standpoint, they're they're favored in nine games this season, but they only play the seventeenth uh, toughest string schedule, so very much middle of the road. They have the third most net rest, uh, I believe. They also don't play a single team coming off their bye week uh, at the same time as well. Um, I just I cannot get over how much of an upgrade Russell Wilson is for them, and I think their receiving core is just a massive like like super underrated as long as they're healthy. I mean, Tim Patrick has shown off. At times, with you know, Drew Locke, you know, at quarterback, and like just the bums that they're trotting out. Now, you have Jerry Judy, who's hopefully healthy, Corlin Sutton again, like it really relies on health, and that's the big thing here. I also think Albert Okue you know, like he has a ton of upside at tight end. Like, I really think that, like, when you combine the fact that Russell Wilson now will be able to craft a system, as you mentioned, be able to go a little bit pass heavier, and you combine that with a wide receiving core that I think could be, you know, among I guess, you know, I don't want to go too overboard here, you know, in like that five to 10 range when all combined, uh, you know, in terms of all put together with like Russell Wilson, who is one of the most efficient quarterbacks uh, that we've seen in a while. Um, I just think that they are so well set up for success on that end of the ball. Uh, And defensively, I think there are some questions for sure, but I just think that those are going to be able to be offset by any offensive strength. So. I think they'll also, if we look at like their early games, they're four point favorites week one, 11 point favorites week two, two and a half point favorites in week three. Uh, they have a little bit of runway to kind of get going, you know, before uh, they, you know, like they have to play kind of that murderer's row that Dago mentioned there. And obviously, the middle of the, the season there is a pretty tough uh, schedule. But again, I just think that it, the way their team is set up, it will be, you know, the best Broncos team we've seen in years. And it might not be enough to win the division. I think to to that point, it might not be enough. The Chargers are probably bet at plus, better bet at plus 250. But if the Broncos make the playoffs, I think they are very, very much live to win the Super Bowl. All they got to do is get in. Uh, and so that's kind of, kind of my take there. Yeah, I like the defensive additions. Um,
0: I think if you can get healthy seasons from Randy Gregory, who they brought over, um, obviously from Dallas, and then you know, Bradley Chubb, if he could stay healthy, kind of gives them those bookends, defensive ends, which is very common in this division, uh, and necessary to have. And then an underrated signing, too. DJ Jones signed a three year deal, deal as well. He led all defensive tackles in run stop win rate last year for the Niners. Uh, huge addition to just kind of eat up the middle, um, and stop the run. Great safety combo with Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, you know, year two for, uh, you know, Pat Sertain, I think he looks the parts here. Sneaky factor when I was digging into this, and I was surprised too, Denver was 30th in special teams DVOA last season. When you dig into it a little bit more, they were like almost historically bad at covering kickoffs. Like, And again, we spent a lot of time on the main things, and it makes sense, but like the special teams thing is kind of low-key. When you have these outliers like this looks to be, like that just flips field position that makes everything a little bit harder when you're dealing with a bad quarterback. They had obviously lots of other injuries. So like just kind of assuming that a new coaching staff can help get that and have it just maybe regress to the mean, I would expect it didn't dig. And I imagine they made a change at special, you know, special teams coordinator, but like they were almost historically bad in covering kickoffs last year. So just another little wrinkle that could add to, you know, you know more advantageous starting field position for them too. um, Yeah, how about the running back position, Daigle? Obviously, we're just clamoring for more Javante Williams. He's outstanding. Um, They obviously re-signed Melvin Gordon, kind of bringing that one-two combo back. Last season, they split carries exactly down the middle. Uh, We saw a little bit more Javante in the passing game. But again, like 0.31 missed tackles forced per carry was first among running backs, according to PFF, with at least 100 uh, rushing attempts on the season his average of 3.4 yards after contact per rush ranks seventh. That matches the eye test. Are we going to get more Javante?
2: Yeah, Javante's ADP is currently 26.9, so he's going at the second, third round turn. I do think, though, that, the fact he could be in every down back, like that's sort of mixed in already into that ADP. Uh, So it really just depends on your format. If it's best ball drafts and people are doing a lot more than one best ball draft, I'm definitely taking chances, especially in top heavy payouts, large fields, because Javante Williams is the kind of guy we should make high upside assumptions on because if he does, for whatever reason, open the year as an every down back. Like he can win your league. if He stays healthy as an every down back for all 17 games. But at the same time, you look at last year and Melvin Gordon didn't do anything wrong. He didn't play himself the field. He still outscored Javante Williams in eight of 16 games and half of them, that they played together and averaged one more touch 14 and a half to Javante Williams, 13 and a half in those 16 contests together. So overall, I do think Javante Williams still a little overvalued, whereas Gordon's ADP and uh, the hundreds is a lot more reasonable to me, making him a good value as well. But, like I said, I'm more than willing to take chances on Javante in top-heavy payouts.
0: Yeah, the Melvin ADP in best ball, I think, is uh, very appealing right now.
2: Especially for, for zero RB, or if you're just waiting on that position for like a RB3 because he started superhero RB with two strong ones. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon fits in, honestly, just fine because the same reasonings everyone gives for Javante. Like, well, yeah, but just imagine if Melvin Gordon like goes down. Like, Just imagine if Javante Williams goes down. Melvin Gordon's in every down back. All right, last team in the division, Raiders.
0: Um, 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 25 to 1 to win the AFC. Win total between eight, eight and a half, uh, most spots. And they are 7 to 1 to win this division. Significantly different than everyone else who is uh, short, basically in the, the 250 and below range. Um, and the Raiders were a playoff team last year. Surprising playoff team. Uh, but again, this is a completely different team in a lot of ways from that last season, I think. Uh, Rich Bisakia did a, a nice job, all things considered, handling like the post-John Gruden era. Um, probably earned the job, but you know, again, it didn't land. Josh McDaniels finally stepping away from the New England coordinator position and taking on this head coaching job. Mick Lombardi coming over with him from New England to be the OC. They pulled uh, Patrick Graham, local Chicago guy, um, from the Giants to be the defensive coordinator. That's just a natural improvement over the – incredibly unimaginative Gus Bradley, who we have already kind of crapped on at times here in the podcast. But uh, again, McDaniels historically has shown a willingness to adapt his game plans both yearly uh, and then game by game based on personnel, based on, you know, their opponents, um, which seems really simple, but like, because so few teams and coaches do it, I think it's worth noting. Uh, But Connor, give me started to talk to me about the Raiders.
1: Yeah, they're an very, very unique team because I want to be down on them uh, in a lot of aspects, but at the same time, it's really hard to just because their strength of schedule is so hard. So they're favored in seven games, but they have the third toughest strength of schedule. They're minus six in net rest. They don't get to play a team with a regular week coming off of a bye. Uh, and then, not to mention that, the beginning of their season, I, I mean, I don't know how they go into their bye above 500. And I think that they actually might not win a single game going to their bye. So they start the season at the Chargers against the Cardinals, against the Titans the Broncos, and then at Kansas City as well. And I believe they're at, at Tennessee too. So, I mean, maybe they beat Tennessee. I mean, I think that that's like a fairly level playing field in terms of, you know, overall strength. But you're looking at potentially 0-5 heading into their buy or maybe 1-4. and 4. I don't know. I, I, for me, it's tough to tough to really be too bullish on them. Obviously, the, the addition of Devontae Adams is massive. This is going to be the best, uh, you know, supporting cast that Carl will have but then also we look at his offensive line uh the raiders last season allowed the most pressures in the nfl uh from the right side of the offensive line at 124 uh, and they're about to run it back it looks like with alex leatherwood and brandon parker so i think that that's something to be concerned about but at the end of the day i mean Devonte adams is a difference maker and obviously the coaching staff matters and they have the pieces there it's just a matter of whether or not it all comes together and the schedule in my opinion, is not forgiving enough for that to happen. So I think that they're going to win some games that we not do not expect them to. I think that is like, certainly they will upset someone. But when that is and where that is, I'm not sure.
2: Our own Justin Edwards also ranked the Raiders offensive line 26th overall. Uh, and he's very good with the stuff. He's the person I lean on, noting that they were actually using Alex Leatherwood back at right tackle since he was such a failure on the interior at OTAs, which is not a good thing. And so overall, what we do know is that 52% of their drives, their scoring drives, ended up in a field goal. That was the scoring part of it. And so we expect that odd number to regress since it was so low, along with the Giants and the Steelers. But at the same time, I think the fact they have that Vegas is favoring them with two fewer wins than any other team in their division kind of says it all, That um, they're still not good enough. Derek Carr heading into his ninth year. It's not like he's going to develop or get better. Like, yes, he averaged 324 yards per game through their week seven bye. when they came back, no Henry rugs, uh, Darren Waller banged up. Like they just had nowhere else to go. And that's why he only eclipsed 300 yards in one game post by and no longer was throwing deep and trusting his guys in man coverage. You can't trust Brian Edwards in man coverage. And so in that sense, with Demarcus Robinson, who at least shown he can separate with the Chiefs, and of course, Devontae Adams... They will get better, but at the same time, I still don't think it's good enough, and it just can't compete in this otherworldly division that's good across the board. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby together is interesting, but even Rockieson and Anthony Everett at cornerback, again, just not good enough for who else is in this division. So that's kind of where I always come back to, too. It's like, congratulations, you did improve your team, but it's still the worst team in the division.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think every time we've done this show since we've been, I I think I've had the Raiders under, but this is the one year that I'm like, fine. Like they're, I think they're significantly better. Now I agree with you. They are definitely the fourth best team in this division, but a few things break your way. And yeah, I mean, I don't think that we're going to see like a progression from, from Derek Carr. I mean, played with a bad offensive line last year with, as you mentioned, like just horrible talent for a little bit uh, from a skill position standpoint. Um, Now we're going to add hopefully a a full season from Darren Waller, who probably sees fewer doubles. Um, I think that, you know, Hunter Henry in the slot is very serviceable NFL receiver. And Devontae Adams just changes the complete way that teams play you. And for all like the flaws we say for Derek Carr, like, yeah, he, he, there's not, I think, a ton of upside here, but top 10 in both completion percentage and air yards per attempt. So we're kind of moved on from the, like, dink and dunk Derek Carr that we had a few years ago. Now, he's not, like, massively pushing it down the field, but when you, like, mentioned, we're looking at, like, Zay Jones and, uh, you know, Brian Edwards last year. It's just a different team now when you add Devontae Adams. Maybe I'm too bullish on on Devontae and how I think he can impact the roster. But, um, yeah, you mentioned Demarcus Robinson. Keelan Cole, like just some guys that, again, these are not like noteworthy changers in this division, but again, they add to this team and make them a little bit better. So my questions are with the offensive line and the defense Defense is is a problem in the secondary. I do think Chandler Jones is a massive impact. Max Crosby was awesome last year. Only he and TJ Watt uh, were the only edges to rank inside the top 10 in both pass rush win rate and run stop win rate on the season. Um, so now he'll probably see fewer double teams. So that only helps him. They're going to need to get a lot of pressure because you guys mentioned the questions in the secondary. Rockerson solid year last year in Indy, but like they need more from Trayvon Mullins, Nate Hobbs, Anthony Everett. Like that's not a great defense. 26th and dropback EPA last season. So they're going to need to create pressure to kind of alleviate that. But again, like things break your way. Uh, bullish on the coaching staff here that I think can maybe get them. Again, maybe that they can get to their over on their win total and still fall short of the playoffs in this division. If all things go well for the other three teams. So it sounds like I'm more bullish on the Raiders than you guys are. I still don't think they make the playoffs, but I don't necessarily think they should be seven to one when everyone else is under three. If that makes sense.
1: Oh man. I, I struggle to get there to see that. I mean, it would take because the other teams in the division are so good. Like it would take at least two of Herbert Mahomes or Russell Wilson getting injured in my opinion, for them to have a chance to win this division. Uh, I mean, also looking at the look-ahead lines here, kind of analyzing a little bit more. So the Raiders are not favored by – they're favored by one game by more than a field goal. So that's it. So they're favored in seven games, but they're all projected to be really, really close. So, you know, they have like one gimme. I think they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, you know, a couple weeks into the season here. Um, But that's it. You know, like they will be fighting tooth and nail for every single other win, at least – in the early season projections. So I don't know. It's it's tough for me to get on board.
2: One quick fantasy note as well in drafts where I do not get Darren Waller. I am more prone to take Hunter Renfro and vice versa since Hunter Renfro, that's when he did his damage. He averaged seven catches, 80 receiving yards and 17 and a half fantasy points per game and seven starts. Darren Waller was basically injured or inactive. Whereas that fantasy points dropped by four per game and he only averaged five catches and 48 receiving yards when Waller was available. And so I'm pretty much hedging those injuries and I'm never playing them together since I don't expect them to spike together. I definitely
0: think, without a doubt, the Raiders are the worst team in this division. I just think that the math is a little off to me in comparison to where some of the other teams are. Like, The, the Raiders go into Arrowhead and beat good Chiefs teams. Everyone thought that the Chargers were better than last year in Week 18, and the Raiders won that football game. Like, The Chargers are not like a team that's not prone to shoot themselves in the foot occasionally. And I think we all kind of think that there's both the Chargers and the Broncos took steps forward, and I totally do as well. But I also just think that the Raiders are maybe a little closer to them. Uh, again, secondary is a problem. They need to, you know, get, uh, you know, career year somebody there, especially a number two guy. So uh, let's uh, go around, talk to me about who's going to win the division and maybe give me your uh, best bet. I'll start with you, Connor.
1: Oh, uh, all right. So we'll go with, I think that, I think it's between, I think you could bet both the Chargers and Broncos and you'll make money. I think that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you're getting two and a half to one and two point whatever, two point six to one on uh, the Broncos. I think one of them wins the division. I have very little confidence in the Chiefs. Um, So, yeah, I would I would just do that. It's kind of similar to what we're seeing in the uh, with the Browns, Ravens and Bengals division. I think you could also blindly bet uh, the Ravens and the Bengals to win that division. Uh, and still come out ahead in, in positive. So I know that's kind of a cop out there, but I just don't know. Also think Bron- Broncos win the Super Bowl at some point in the season. I will definitely be playing it. I just I got you gotta wait a little bit. I mean it could start off real slow. Connor can't
0: wait till the weather gets a little colder Daigle. He could throw that Broncos Parker on, you know, spot it all though you'll see him walking over the city of Chicago repping that uh that navy in orange. What do you got, Diggle?
2: Uh, I already spoiled it. I didn't know we were going to be doing this at the end, but I'll hold my thoughts for moving forward in every show. Uh, the chargers for all the reasons mentioned, I think they, from schedule to personnel to development from Justin Herbert just takes a little luck. Yes. they their lone weaknesses. Really the only two holes you can poke are the right tackle situation and the fact they didn't add a deep threat into their offense. Uh, As much as I love Josh Palmer and Mike Williams, they don't separate. They're still contested catch guys. Jalen Guyton is the only one who can actually take the top off of defenses, and he does it so rarely. So I would have added a fast wide receiver if I were them to throw downfield more. But overall, that's just nitpicking. I think they are perfect in every other way. I'm going to go with the
0: Chargers too. I just think the defense is so far better than everyone else in the division. I think the Broncos defense is much improved. Some of the additions they had there, but I think that the Chargers defense is could be one of the best in the league. And if you start to see a little bit more aggression down the field from Justin Herbert, I just don't think we've really seen the ceiling. And again, this is a team that was second in points and yards per drive last season. So I think that they make a ton of sense. And I think maybe the best bet is maybe the Chiefs under 10.5, which I think we all agreed upon that, like that defense, I think is a real problem, really relying on uh, rookies to make massive day one impacts there and i think that they can but i think that's a big big ask and uh yeah like it might be it takes a village from a receiver standpoint to kind of carry the water for the loss of tyree kill but as connor mentioned i don't know that that necessarily um can help them enough from like a a play-to-play standpoint of how you have to scheme to stop a tyree kill what that does for travis kelsey underneath i think we start to see you know some of those struggles again pat mahomes can make up for a lot of differences but i think that they are Going to maybe take a step back. They could still be very much a playoff team, but uh, I think they maybe st- take a step back and maybe finish third in this division, which could be interesting.
1: So you could find some some good exactas on that. I bet. Uh, yeah. Maybe like a, like a Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, uh, Raiders. You know, like one, two, three, four. I bet you could get pretty good money on that.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting I have to look for those. All right, gentlemen. Uh, anything else for the uh, listeners before we go, Connor? Anything you got uh, coming up in the wheelhouse? Anything you're working on?
1: Yeah, I'm firing some uh, Bears alt-unders uh, in the next couple like day or so, so uh, be on the lookout for that. That'll be added to my article. Um, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Ben, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Ben Fox or whatever tweeted out that 95% of the bets on the Bears are on the under, and I am very confident that I make up almost all of them. So let's <laughs> go. Bear down, baby. Uh, Dagel, you already told us you're working on all these t-
2: team previews. Team previews, and then John Paulson, who's back from vacation, and I are vacation, beginning beginning <laughs> our positional uh, fantasy previews on The Most Accurate Podcast if you go subscribe ahead of Thursday, uh, beginning with quarterback position tomorrow. Um, I'll be going on a vacation. I'm going to Banff, Alberta. we got to work that in somehow uh, in a couple of weeks. Why but am I I'm not just, going? I guess we got to figure that out when the time comes.
1: I could just do solo pod, whatever, you know, maybe AFC South. No, no
2: Noonan will be right. here. He's not going. Are
0: we going to golf before you go? Like, we got to plan these things. So, you need to get some golfing before you go. So, hopefully, yeah. we can make it. I, I need a
2: warm up round for BAM Springs. So, yes.
0: No, I don't want to see any pictures. They You're going to get out. pictures. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we appreciate you hanging out with us as always. Again, uh, if you're listening in the podcast form, we're available live on YouTube um, on Wednesday evenings. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, um, Rain Review. We really appreciate that. It helps keep the lights on, helps other people find us. And uh, yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know what bets you like. Who do you think is going to win this division? And uh, we will be back to do it all again next week. So for Connor and Dave, i Ryan. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone.